into a bar on a cool winter's evening underneath the stars and we'll find somewhere close welcome everyone and you're in the call room uh, i'm one of your hosts david griffiths and it's my pleasure to welcome you to our virtual meet the brewers front bar series it's the 4th of june 2020 and tonight we're doing our winter warmer series. We've got a couple of guests who I will introduce in a moment. Uh, and hopefully you will uh, have a great time with us here tonight, whether you're joining us in the Zoom room, whether you're joining us live on Facebook, which is a new innovation and we'll see how that works for us, or whether you're listening to the podcast after the fact. We hope that you enjoy all of the above. Thank you to previous guest Corey Boardman for proving that people are indeed watching via Facebook. There's at least three of them already. So welcome if you're one of those good people. Uh, a few little housekeeping things from me. Those who've been in the room before know that you can go and cook yourself a nice roast dinner while I run through our housekeeping and uh, come back and join us after that. But we do like to sort of make sure that people know where we're heading tonight. The first thing to say is that uh, tonight's broadcast is designed to be enjoyed with three particular beers in your hands. So if you haven't got those already uh, or they're in the fridge or something like that, please go and grab them out. They were all delivered by our delivery teams during the week, but they're still available for delivery if you're listening on the podcast version and would like to have them with you. We've got the Evil Eye Red IPA from Capital Brewing. Then we're going to enjoy Batch's Elsie the Milk Stout. And then we're going to enjoy Moondog's newly re-released Cake Hole. Uh, they're three pretty big beers. And we're cognizant of the fact that the podcast will go for an hour, an hour and a half at sort of most. We're not necessarily encouraging you to drink all of those beers in that short time frame. So feel free to pour yourself tasting type portions so uh, you can enjoy them as we go along live. Or if you're uh, listening on the podcast, you can always pause after each of the beers that we've discussed, enjoy the beer at your leisure, and then come back and listen to the next bit. We'll make it pretty clear to you uh, when we're going to move from one beer to another. Um, We've just sort of finished up our May sessions and I think it's been May of 2020 has been by far the biggest month of downloads we've had for the podcast. So a really genuine thank you to everyone who's been part of all of those sessions, both as guests, but particularly as listeners. And if you haven't already uh, joined us on Facebook and Instagram, that's a great way to know not only when new episodes come out, but also when there are tasting packs coming out and that way you get to enjoy these nights to their fullest extent. Um, so please go and join us on those things. And if you haven't already uh, rated and reviewed us on iTunes, Spotify, or however else you get your downloads uh, of podcasts, that would be fantastic as well. There's some great episodes uh, lately, um, which, makes me want to apologize for the fact that our session last week with Blackman's hasn't been posted yet. I'll try and do that first thing tomorrow night. Uh, some of the other previous Meet the Brewers with Ale Farm, with Nomad, with Venom, with La Seren, with, uh, I feel like I may have missed one in there, but there's some great sessions to go back and listen to with those beers in your hands, as well as some other fun beers uh, and other fun guests we've had on our midweek shows, like Two Birds, like Deeds, or the very special episode that we did this week, because of course, tonight's the first Thursday night since lockdown was uh, ended in Victoria. 
I was going to be standing behind the bar at a pub pouring beer until the flywheel on the cool room compressor went flying off into the distance, which means that I can't open the pub tonight. So uh, you get to hear all of the inside stories of what it's like to try and repair uh, arcane machinery in pubs as well, if you tune in. Uh, the last little bit to give you fair warning about before you uh, open up your can of the delicious Capital Brewing Evil Eye Red IPA is that next week we'll be joined by Modus Operandi and the week after that by Batch and the week after that hopefully by a very special guest from overseas. So uh, another reason to make sure you're following us on social media so that you can enjoy uh, all that we've got to, to taste and talk about together. Uh, in the second bit of the program, Chris Bond, who's a previous uh, participant in the podcast, will be on from Moondog to talk about the cake hole. But to kick off, we've got Dan Watson, who is uh, one of the reps from Pale and Cooper, who's going to be able to talk us through a few of the beers. And we're going to kick off with that Capital Brewing. Travis Bristow and Warren Wu are joining me in the room tonight. And Travis, I'm going to hand over to you to introduce Dan properly and kick things off. Thank you, David. Uh, hopefully, we're all having a great night. Welcome, Daniel. Hello. Let's kick off with the Evil Eye Red IPA. Um, just to sort of start us off, Dan, how, uh, how, how did you get into this, this job and uh, how did it all start off for you? Um, oh, well... I mean, simple story. I applied and got the job. Um, <laughs> Come on, there must have been some sort of labyrinth you had to make your way through with minotaurs and rust monsters or something like that. Um, oh, not particularly. Um, I guess I already had experience in the industry and applied for the role. And you know, like any other job, you just interview, get in there. I know. Um, I know it sounds labyrinthine. Uh, I remember back when I wanted to get into the beer industry, I thought it was, you know, there was like a big wall that I had to scale, but it wasn't as hard as I thought. I just had to throw my hat in the ring. So, so give us a bit of an introduction to Capital Brewing and, um, you know, who are they, where they're located, and um, then we'll run into the IPA. Yeah, cool. So Capital Brewing, they're based in Canberra, hence the name Capital. Uh, they're in a suburb called Fishwick. It's right near the airport. So it's actually pretty easy. You can get a drink there before you fly and then 10 minute drive to the airport. Um, their brew house is open to the public and it's a really nice space. One of the best spaces I've been to in the country. Um, it's just big, open, bright, they have all their beers, the staff are amazing, um, and an amazing outdoor area as well. Uh, I guess with the current restrictions, it's not as pumping as it usually is, but we'll see it get back there. Which, which makes for a, a very interesting situation for us all to be in, and obviously you guys have, uh, have felt that pinch just as much as everyone else has. Um, Let's uh, let's have a chat about the red IPA. Um, tell us about your thoughts on the beer and uh, my thoughts on beer or on, on the red that IPA? beer. 
Oh no, you can uh, you can totally give us your thoughts. I'll give you your thoughts on beer. Yeah. That's, that's, <laughs> when when did you when did you get into a, a craft like craft beers and and the craft beer scene? Like, what was your first? Yeah. Man, so let's, actually, let's do a little bit of that. Okay. Well, I got into craft beer probably two thousand and three. Uh, pretty early for a lot of people, and that was how just, old were you then? Were you two? Oh. Yeah, yeah, I was, I was two years old and my mother was sick of <laughs> breastfeeding and just put me on the bottle. It's, uh, the, the, the people listening to the podcast can't see, but uh, Daniel has a fair bit of uh, red in his beard. So his <laughs> mum could potentially be Irish. And no, no, be um, there's, there's lots of white starting to poke through the red now. Um, yeah, no, I was was a long time ago, yeah. Yeah, I was 19 back then. And I guess I skipped the whole VB cut and draft phase of drinking because we used to hang around with this local guy who was a home brewer. And almost straight away, like when I started drinking, I was put on to pale ales, IPAs, porters. So I sort of skipped that whole local lager phase has, has that meant you've approached beer differently to other people like i i'm I, i'm i'm assuming not i'm assuming it's it's very much similar but it, it's from from the podcast and from talking to a lot of people everyone basically starts off with yeah it's pretty rare that someone does get the opportunity to jump straight into more more interesting beers yeah i guess I never even tried a carbon draft until I was at a wedding probably a few years after the fact. And I was like, how do people drink this? <laughs> um, but I mean, back in those days, people weren't even really calling it craft. Uh, the name was sort of floating around. I think James Squire popped up. Which is, I guess not independent craft, but that was the only mainstream where you could get like an IPA or a pale ale. Yeah. And um, it was also, I grew up in the west of Melbourne, and there was a bottle shop there that would encourage, like, I guess, alternate beers. It was called Savvy Cellars in Altona. Um, and funny enough, the owner of Savvy Cellars ended up working for me later on because in my journey, I became a bottle shop manager for Dan Murphy's for a number of years. Yeah, right, whereabouts? Uh, for Dan Murphy's? Yeah. Yeah, I was at the Ascot Vale store and then the QV store. And I the thought store. I recognised your face. They're the two Dan Murphy's that I tend to go yeah, to Yeah, and I'm <laughs> thinking, yeah, that's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, you probably saw me there. I was, like, in charge of customer service. So I was always out chatting to people. Um, but I wasn't actually into the beers at that time. I was more into my whiskies. We're also so, happy to talk about whiskey. There's no demarks here around that. We could, we could totally change the subject matter if we went down the whiskey train. What was the first craft beer that you remember having? Like, when, when, at what point in time did you go, this is craft beer, this is... Well, yeah, like I was saying, the name... I, I don't remember when the name craft beer first sort of hit the scene. I remember the first commercial, I guess, craft beers I liked were from New Zealand, if you remember Emerson's. Yep. Oh, yeah. 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 I love their cherry sour they released years ago. Yeah. Hmm. 
Mm. And um, but then, yeah, for a while, I just, I guess I became more of a whiskey or a long, I just drink beer now and then. Um, it's probably 2016 when I really got back into the whole craft beer scene. So it had changed quite a lot. There was probably a five-year gap where I hadn't followed the trends or anything and just just drank the same thing and all home, homebrewed. I just homebrewed my own parallels. Um, so let's talk about the red IPA, I suppose. Um, yeah, yeah, we can move on. Let's go. Let's go with. Yeah, it's delicious. It's really yeah. It it it's quite different from your regular IPA, but yeah, it's it's got that biting um, bitterness at the end. There's kind of those those kind of more more dank qualities you get from the red and the brown kind of styles of ale. Um, yeah, really fascinating little beer. Yeah. Um... So Capital brewed this one as a sort of autumn winter release. And so who I work for, Powell and Cooper, we're the distributors for Capital. So we've only just, I think the last two months started selling that one. Um, during the summer, spring, they do a orange wheat beer. Um, so it's a, a yeah. way different style, opposite end of the spectrum. It's just a smashable light wheat beer. Whereas this one's, you know, a heart, heartwarming, hearty IPA. Um, yeah, and in terms of the, in terms of uh, their core range, um, is do you see? Have you? Have you had enough experience to see those absolute trends? With you, um, I was just saying before the show started that uh, I had this, I had the red IPA on one of my little venues for for all throughout the year, and it kind of get a consistent little run. Um, is it is that red IPA more of a yeah? It, has it distinguished itself as an autumn winter thing for for? Uh, to me personally, I think it's an all year beer. Um, I think people always love that big sort of rich style beer. Um, it's just some people, I guess, gravitate towards those more in winter. But I, I believe this one should be on all the time. It's got enough of that IPA, like with the dry hoppiness, so it gives it that nice citrusy end to it, um, mixed in with the malts from the red IPA. So I think, yeah. I haven't seen the trend of it just being winter. I've had people asking for it when it was in the summer as well. It's an entirely visual thing for me, but I always sort of associate reds and browns and things with sort of autumn. I know that when we used to put the sort of the sunset from two birds on in autumn and then transition that over into stouts in winter. Um, it's also just nice to sort of have a little sort of guide in your mind to help you move through beers to make sure you actually do try different things right throughout the year more than it being that you couldn't drink this in summer because you absolutely could but it's just nice to make sure that you do drink reds and browns at a certain time in the year yeah i agree with you um i've been in industry like i know this time of year when i was working for a different company um my porter sales would just go through the roof and it's almost all I sold, even though I sold the porters all year round. Yep. Um, Sorry, I, I, I'll pipe in here if you, that's okay, Warren. Um, yeah, of course. 
in relation to to capital being available in Victoria, it's um, it, it for me personally, it's a brewery that I've only just sort of got on board with because I've I've only just found it to be something that's available in my local area. Um, how have you found that you know from a brewery based in Canberra coming down into into Victoria or you know outside of New South Wales? How have you found sort of that process on, you know, how's it been taken up, you know, do people jump on board or? It depends on the beer knowledge of the venue. Uh, I think a lot of venues just jump on board if they know the capital story, they know the awards they've won, um, how well they did in the recent Gab's Hottest 100, if you hold credence to that. So how did they go? Can you run us through sort of which were their best ones ever? Yeah, they got all core got in the top 100. And their big drop, which was a sessional... No, no. The, sorry, I've forgotten the name. The NEPA. Oh, was we put you on the spot here. Yeah. Mm. Uh, yeah, so they did quite well for themselves. Um, I think the highest was 13th. Now, we're a bit of a lover of sort of beer can design and things like that. Yeah. Capital has a really distinct and clear sort of design there and um, which make appeals both to me and to Corey, who's a long time uh, person and is in the room with us tonight. I presume that, you know, when you look at that, you know, does that, do you, how much of a difference do you think those sort of things make, particularly in sort of bar sales and things like that, you know, just how the beer is presented when it's in its packaging? Yeah, I think if it looks good, people like we're visual creatures, um, we're going to be drawn to something that is more well designed. Uh, I mean, in the bottle shop, it stands out on the shelf because it's white with a colourful illustration. Uh, in the bars, it stands out as well because they've actually put quite a bit of time and effort into their tap decals, which stand out from the other ones because they're actually made of metal. They're quite big. They've got the design embossed on them. And that's that's interesting. Like I think part of the reason why I jumped on board Capital was when I went into my local bar bottle shop. It stood out to me in the fridge. It's um. You know, that, that logo with the red, it just sort of sat in the forefront and I went, oh, I've never had that before. I'll grab it out. Um, and that's kind of where my love of the brewery sort of came from. Yeah, they definitely go for the red with everything. Um, all the T-shirts are red, hats are red. Um, they give out colors are all the time, which are a bright red. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a great colour. Should we um should we move on to our next beer? I'm sure everyone's still finishing their their red IPA, but should we start kind of meandering on into the bad Chelsea? Absolutely, absolutely. I like the way you keep these things going, Warren. Yeah. We've uh, over we've the last few weeks moving the thing along before we finished our first beer, and I'm still uh, loving this red IPA. It's it's because it's because Warren had finished his red IPA before we even started recording tonight, so yeah. he's just keen to talk about the Elsie while he's still got some in his glass. Yeah, otherwise, otherwise, that's going, going, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. 
but without, think, without taking this down a path we don't want to go to, that doesn't sound like Warren. That's a, yeah, no, <laughs> that's not that's not like me. The smash of beer at a million miles an hour. Um, We're not talking about the joint tonight, Warren. Just gonna make that quite cool. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, let's leave all those. Let's leave all those alone until at least we we finish recording. It's probably the easiest thing. Um, I, I must say, I'm actually very excited to crack open the LC because it is one of my yeah. favourite stouts ever. It's 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 what it's pretty it's got a deliciousness about it like it just it just rolls and you'd think i i checked on their website because i hadn't i drank the lc a couple of times i thought it was really good but it's it's not until you see all the malts that they use in the damn thing which you really go oh maybe that's you know that it's got the lactose but it's lovely and smooth and creamy and i think that that kind of all right, come on, come on, Warren. Now's the time to, to cool your jets. Let's let's let yeah, yeah, let's let Dan, yeah, let's let Dan go. Um, we're getting. I'm, I'm I'm happy with you explaining the beer to me. Well, <laughs> uh, um, literally, only took on batch a couple of months ago. So just before all the COVID stuff happened, um, so I guess bad luck in that timing. That's an interesting yeah. uh, conversation to have. Like, if you if you know you took it on just before everything sort of went into lockdown and stuff, how's that sort of progressed between the time you took it on to to now? Because that would be an interesting thing to have happen in in relation to COVID. Yeah, well, the main thing is just not importing kegs down. Yeah. Um, yep. And yeah, like it was kind of hard for me because I'd only started with Balance Super in Feb. So I was only with them for a month and then everything happened. Uh, and then, yeah, batch just before the lockdowns. Um, so it made it difficult because I was I'm mostly hired to work for on premise venues. So, uh, yeah. yeah, everything shut at once. Um, so, yeah, a bit different. Um, more just bringing down whatever batch wants to send to Victoria. Uh, that's what we sell. So they're putting out, I lose track of the amount of limited releases batch seems to do weekly at the moment uh, in their Marrickville brewery. And then they send us, looks like two or three different limiteds a month. And yeah, just going around Spreaking them to everyone, trying to get them on shelves in bottle shops. Now I noticed that in the room, Zoom room, we're joined by Chris Bond from Moondog, who's waving, which is a, just the best way to communicate on a podcast that I've ever seen. So, Chris, welcome in. Feel free to unmute yourself and drop in comments, uh, but we'll formally introduce you and come to the the cake hole a little bit along the way. But if you have thoughts on things along the way, feel free to chime in, mate. Good evening, darling. Hey, Chris. It's um, not how you pronounce my name, but sure, no worries. Sorry. Can you undoubt We'll edit that out later on. So, Dan, obviously, you know, we've talked about the COVID thing. So, uh, where do you sort of see things progressing for Batch down here in Victoria? It's, um, it's obviously becoming somewhere, a brewery that's becoming readily available in bottle shops. Um, do you see sort of the shift after COVID to getting more kegs down here? Or? 
Well, uh, I definitely hope so. I'm not asking uh, for the listeners. I'm asking for myself. Yeah. <laughs> uh, supply and demand. So, yeah, just before all the shutdown, we decided we were going to bring them down in 30-litre kegs. Um, but keep the pricing the same as if it would have been in a 50. Um, oh, and, yeah, okay. I guess because we're releasing so many... 30 litres, I mean, so many different types of beer, we thought a 30 litre would be an easier price point for venues to try the beer and all cycle through each release as it comes. That's a really interesting approach. I mean, different people are trying quite different things at the moment in, you know, in response to the lockdown. I haven't heard that one before, but that makes a lot of sense in terms of, you know, how how to approach things and again you know acknowledging how lots of people who are craft beer drinkers like to taste lots of different things so i know as a venue it's sometimes hard when you've got the same thing on tap for three or four weeks in a row like you've got some barn me inspired beer or something like that and it you know getting those last 10 liters of a 50 liter keg out when everyone's had a few pints of it over the last couple of weeks um you know, is the harder part of the equation. Yeah, definitely. And I guess, yeah, I was looking at the sheer amount of different releases Batch wanted to do, and I just didn't think a lot of venues will find it feasible to take on a 50-litre every single release. I've, I've just jumped onto their website, and they've listed 255 different batches yeah, over the yeah, and that's not even up to date. Yeah, well, that's, <laughs> that's that's why we uh, that's why I always figure. Um, yeah, which is just that's just incredible. In the last month alone, I have had a two peach sour saison, a boysenberry sour, a double dry hopped nipa, a nitro IPA, and then I have. And then there's three or four more coming up in the next month. That's probably a really good opportune time for me to jump in there and say, uh, first of all, if you'd like us to have Batch on for one of our Thursday night sessions, pester them to make sure that that happens. We've been in contact with Andrew from Batch, and I think he's keen to come on and be part of it. And Dan, am I allowed to mention what might be coming up or do I have to keep that under my hat for the moment and say we might be lucky enough to have a couple of the new releases pretty much on the day that they land in Victoria as part of our tasting packs for that? Um, uh, yeah, you can uh, list the names of things like what's coming up so it's not a big secret. That's how a, a, you know, having worked in all sorts of strange jobs, I know that there's sort of sometimes you're allowed to say things and sometimes you aren't. But in terms of not just a few of the beers that people may have tasted before, like the Pash and so forth, there's also going to be Senor Spicy, which is a citrus and chili goza or ghost or goose, or depending on how you pronounce things. I just don't even want to go down that road. And um, the Big Kahuna, which was my name at college, I've got a T-shirt to prove it, uh, which is a coconut brown ale. So um, probably in about the week of the 24th or so, it's about three weeks ago that way, if, you, if listeners pester batch enough, we might be able to get them on and um, be able to taste some of those amazing beers. Definitely, definitely. I think that would be keen. 
Um, one of the saddest things I had to cancel because of COVID was going to do a um, pastry stout tap takeover in Melbourne. Oh, wow. Oh. So that, that was one of the That's... sadder things that I had to cancel. Where were you going to do that? Feel free to shout out at the venues and things like that. Uh, so that was going to be at uh, Beer Mash in Collingwood. Oh, yeah. Damn Beer Mash. <laughs> Damn, always COVID. Damn COVID. Damn COVID, yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Out of all the things that have gone wrong this year, I don't think Beer Mash is the one. No, 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 Beer Mash is the one, but they always get the fun stuff. Assholes. Oh, he just he just asked. Like oh, yeah. I'm always open to anything. So if someone asks me what they want to do, I'll I'll work it out and do it with them. Yeah. And, and for those of like our listeners that haven't made it to the brewery in in Marrickville, like I I recommend getting up there and possibly after the COVID thing and checking it out because it is one of the most amazing like craft beer venues I've come across in my time. It's it's a great setup and it's. You know, you can spend a lot of time there. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, all the crazy, amazing beers. Um, that's why they call this one the Nitro Stout, because at the brewery, you actually get it on Nitro. Um, yeah. Here, I think they naturally ferment it in the can with the yeast to get that smoothness. One of the, um, and I feel like this is something that continually comes up in our podcast on a Thursday night, is the beer labels and the design of the labels. One of the things I found when I was out for Batch was you're standing there and you're at the bar and to the right of the bar, there is the massive fridges that, that run all, you know, a fair distance. And when you see all the Batch beers in the fridge, it just looks amazing. Like they're all lined up. They're all the same label. Uh, all all the same design with slight tweaks to them, obviously, and it it does look quite amazing. It's um yeah, it's, it's a it's a pretty impressive place to be. Yeah, well, even with just a few of the range in your fridge at a bottle shop, looks really good because it's just this sort of black black wall of four forty mil cans with batch written along the edge. Yeah. And there's some amazing, I mean, if you're in the Zoom room right now, then you'll be able to see that people are doing their research and posting some of the other beers that they're keen to taste. Some, some of them may have come and gone in the meantime, I presume. But um, first of all, if you're not in the Zoom room and you're listening on a podcast, come and join us in a Zoom room one night. But there's a gingerbread pastry stout, which sounds so much like my kind of thing that I'm jealous Uh Rob Leach, a long-time friend of the uh, podcast and the establishment, is pretty much sold on chilli beers, which I completely agree with. I mean, there's some um, amazingly diverse flavours in there. Speaking of chilli beers, I was, uh, had a home-brewing story trying to make a chilli beer. Yes, um, do go on. Oh, do tell. <laughs> it turned out. So, did it from a, I guess, a a rip-off recipe of a VB, so a Melbourne bitter, Vic bitter type base, and then um, going for that secondary uh, ferment carbonation, but with uh, chilli in every single bottle. What kind of chilli? And it turned out it was a very odd beer. It, you could feel it almost warming your body as you drank it. I believe you. It yeah. smelt like a supreme pizza. That's the main thing I remember. <laughs> what's, well, yeah, what sort of chili were you throwing in? Can you remember? Just little bird's eyes oh. or something? Or? Yeah. 
It would have been back in 2004 or five. It was a, probably just a green chili from Coles. I can I see David's there. face sitting here going, this is going to go from the cool room to the chili room. <laughs> yeah, it is. Well, so I used to make um, a chocolate uh, stout that had Carolina Reapers in it because we used to have those at the <laughs> restaurant that I owned before the Royal Mail on Spencer Street. I don't think I've got a plug in for the Royal no, Mail. I don't I'm reckon you have. No. <laughs> There's your plug. Um, but yeah, that was exactly the same kind of experience. It would warm you and that was a really lovely sort of feeling. And then you'd break out into a, a quite embarrassing sweat in the middle of the restaurant <laughs> and just excuse yourself and go wandering around Kensington for a while to, you know, have that chill off. But which, which also taking things not too far off track at the Royal Mail on Spencer, I remember having some weird chilli cocktail that uh, our co-host here, Warren Wu, I think might have had something to do with it at one point or another. <laughs> Chili is an awesome thing to add to, to drinks. There was I at at uh, at uni. I worked at Nacho's Mexican Cantina in Oakley, which is Feel like. Feel free to go back and listen to previous episodes. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. It's like the original one was on this was like this attached to this seventies motor in. Um, it was this motel. It was just amazing. Uh, but they they import this this two-litre plastic bottle of tequila, which I'd use for all sorts of stuff. But one of the Cleaning? Things, <laughs> you could. It was, it was not, yeah, it was not uh, mucho grande. Um, <laughs> it was mucho grande, but it wasn't, yeah. Uh, it was, but, but it, they, they'd fill what, like, there'd, there'd be a drink where you'd just fill one of those two-litre, like, you'd take a bit out and then just fill the rest of it with with chilies like it was all bird's eyes too yeah okay i feel i feel like this is gonna run the the joint i was gonna go i was gonna return dan to his favorite homebrew so tell us a bit about that because we've got a lot of listeners who are homebrewers and things like that do you still homebrew a bit or Um, not for a few years um, I see you getting back into it. The father-in-law is keen to learn, so I've still got the equipment in the shed. I'll just buy a bunch of sterilizer and make sure that it's all sterile because that's that's the most important lesson you can learn as a home brewer that everything needs to be sterile or it will taste like soap. <laughs> I'm really happy to come over to your house and help sterilize provided that then the brewing process happens there and I don't have to clean up my own kitchen at the end of the night so we should talk after the after we stop recording yeah, mate definitely um and there's always a lot of beer here I can't get through it all we, we can talk <laughs> um, um is there anything else you want to say about this beer I feel like we sort of kept on completely sideways yeah I just like this is one of my favorite ones of the range of beers I sell. It's just smooth, it's easy to drink, it warms you up on a winter's day. Um, it's already been a cold winter, I'm only like four days into it. Um, yeah, just uh, easy drinking lacto milk sour, um, stout. Sorry, not sour. That might be interesting. But... Yeah, it is, is, it is probably the favorite of the, the batch beers at the moment. It's... It's, um... The thing that surprised me about both of the beers we've just had, um, lower ABVs than all, pretty much any of the other beers we've tried throughout this little journey. Like <laughs> everything else has been, yeah, we've, oh, and I'm sure they've been a little lower, but no, most stuff has been sixes to nines. And we just hit out a couple of four and a halves, which is, yeah, good. It's refreshing. Well, the red IPA is a six. 
Yeah. yeah. For some strange reason, I thought it was let uh, my research is yeah. There you go. That's because it's that's because it was six percent, and your research is based on the fact that. It, <laughs> okay, I think uh, Warren needs to do more research because the next one we're going to hit is about a six point five, I think, from memory. So. Oh. Have, have you mostly been doing limiteds on this podcast? Because I find the trend is towards high ABV limiteds, whereas cores generally you're not going to find them above six percent. It's a very good point. Yeah, yeah. that's very true. Yeah. Yeah. Is that true um, of batch as a whole, do you think? Do they sort of tend to go up a bit when they come to the limiteds or I've been finding they've been pretty stable around six, so I haven't seen much beyond that. Um I do have a capital coming out in the next couple of weeks, which is a ten point four percent imperial stout. That sounds like the kind of thing we should have on a podcast. <laughs> Definitely. So, my ears are perked up, but uh I like that idea. Yeah, if you're in the Zoom room, you can see that. Unfortunately, if you're on the podcast, you can't see what Travis's ears are doing right now, but it's quite remarkable. Oh, that's my eyebrows. Um, I was more concerned about the fact that Warren's about three steps ahead of the rest of us right now and just opened up his next beer. I'm just, it's just preparation. It's just a little bit of preparation. For, though, for the people that are listening on the podcast after this, they, they'll realise that this is probably a bit more of a looser session than what we've had over the last couple of weeks, um, which is, which is great. Cause we're, we're filtering through multiple breweries rather than just, just one brewery. Um, but we are, we will progress onto the, the next beer at some point. Um, well, perhaps before we do that, Travis, if I can, I mean, so for me, it's happening. Well, particularly I just want to give a shout out to Dan for helping us out during the week mm-hmm. when, We've sort of had various beers come in and out of the lineup this week, and it's been tricky. Elsie the Milk Stout was a beer I think we were talking about last Thursday night after the yes. podcast when we were just sitting around in the room discussing what beers we wanted on. And a few of us went out and we didn't come to you, Dan. We sort of thought, oh, no, we'll find it out in a venue somewhere. And it's pretty much sold out across Melbourne everywhere that we looked. And we'd sort of half given up. But can I just say genuinely a big thank you to you for making sure we could get those in the packs that went out this week and um it's kudos to the beer that despite the fact that you know everyone wants it it's very hard to track down in melbourne at the moment you must be selling cack loads of it i'm selling a fair bit um i think it's also just the fact uh, my company just took it on so i don't think everyone knows that it's swapped distributors do you, I was, so that, practical reasons as well. Yeah. Now we're all about giving plugs. Why don't you give your company a bit of a plug and, you know, for people in the industry who are trying to track down, whether it's capital, whether it's batch, you've got three or four other labels at least under your wings there. One, and the one. Tell us how we can find it on social media. Tell us how we can find you. Tell us how we can follow the good people of Palin Cooper. Yeah, cool. So, yeah, Pale and Cooper, website, paleandcooper.com.au. Pale is P-A-I-L, like a bucket. Um, not pale as in pale ale. That you, how often do you say that a day? Uh, not that often because I give people my cards. It's a bit like name. me and my spelling my name. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, they started off as wine distributors in Victoria. Um, they're all about independent, crafted uh, wines, and then they've ended up with beers under the label and hired me as their beer expert. 
Um, so yeah, so I look after capital in Victoria, batch, and then two bays, which is gluten-free craft beer. So anyone who's looking for celiac approved craft beer that actually tastes good, uh, give me a hoy. Uh, Fury and Sun from Kilo. And Soba is one we just brought on from Queensland, the indigenous owned non-alcoholic craft beer using Australian ingredients. Uh, that's actually might, uh, yeah. an interesting thing. To, that, uh, that beer is sold at a little place in Yarraville, I think. Um, my, yep, yep. my pregnant partner picked up a couple of those in uh, Yarraville a little while ago. And oh, nice. quite, quite an amazing beer. And like, you know, for a non-alcoholic beer, it's, uh, it hits the spot. It's really good. Is, is that from a cafe in Yarraville, Mabu Mabu? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're cool people there. It's a good little spot. It's uh it's a cool cool little little cafe and uh yeah, it was quite quite an impressive thing to see the beers or the the non-alcoholic beers with those wild elements to it and Yeah, and well, think, yeah, they've been small but hopefully we can get them all over Victoria. And um I think we might be looking in a few weeks time at getting them on the podcast as well. I mean, Dan, you've been exceptionally helpful to us in lining up some really fun guests. So, um, you know, again, don't pester Dan, don't pester us. Go and, you know, pester Sober and suggest that they should be on the podcast and hopefully they'll agree to come on as well. Mm. Cool. And, yeah, if anyone wants to hit me up, uh, it's just daniel at palencooper.com.au and I occasionally bum around on Instagram at Dan's Drinks. Dan's, D-A-N-S Drinks? Yep. Nice. We'll uh, follow that. We'll add some links into all of these things in our show notes, which for those of you who are watching on Zoom and keep on wondering what I'm doing down here, I keep on writing notes so that when in a week's time I upload things, I remember what I have to include in the notes. Um, we've had a really good question there from Rob, who's in the room, mm. and, which is about you know how long the various specialties stay in stock, uh, particularly given what we've just said about how many there are and how much they sort of turn over. Is there a rough time frame, particularly for people who are ordering off the website? You know, if you want it, as Rob asks, you know, just to get a, a four pack or a mixed thing to start with before you got the case, or if you saw something like the gingerbread stout, would you go, I better buy that, you know, that, that whole case now because it's yeah. going to be gone in 24 hours' time? Pretty much don't wait for anything with batch. Um, they do a limited run and then they move on. So if you miss it, you've missed it. Um, the only the only core is the Elsie or the Pash. I can see Rob in the Zoom meeting starting to type already. So, <laughs> <laughs> while, while you're in there, Rob, you, can you you know I'll I'll grab a couple of the four packs off you if you yeah. buy the slab, mate. Does that just give us a thumbs up if that sounds all right to you? Yeah, thank you, mate. We're he's well old machine here. And that's a, probably a good segue into uh, into speaking to Chris Bond and introducing Chris Bond because he's You're keen to very... move us along, aren't you? Yeah, I totally am. Yeah, um, because he's somewhere to be tonight. It's like eight, it's eight, only eight, it's only seven fifty, Warren. We're not even close to where we should be. Yeah, like, we're the wrong sheet, mate. The last couple of weeks we've gone for what two two and a half hours, three hours. Or... I thought you were going to say two in the morning. It's not quite <laughs> yeah, that bad. Yeah. <laughs> we're not. We're it's there yet. A couple of the nights. It's going. Yeah. <laughs> What, what I might do, I'm happy for someone else to do this, but what I might do, first of all, before we go to Chris, 
Oh, because well, I don't know what I don't know what Dan's plans for the night are. He might have to cook a delicious dinner or something at no, home. You've so said, you said before his wife's doing it. That's what an what an amazing human being that must. Did be. we have that discussion? Did we? Is that you were away at the time? I think. Oh. and I, I was on mute. I you was sure they're married? Away. Oh no, I I you know it's. Let's not pick all of these things apart. <laughs> Let's just take that. this opportunity before we move on, and I mean this really genuinely, <laughs> uh, Dan tonight coming on and helping us uh, yeah, and talking awesome. us through a couple of fantastic breweries and hopefully whetting people's appetites for those breweries to come on and uh, have their own sessions fully on a Thursday night, uh, giving up your time. We'd love it if you want to stick around, but also we said to you that sort of about eight o'clock would be the time that you could wrap up. And um, part of being a good partner is eating meals when your partner has cooked them rather than leaving them to go cold in another room. That's what my partner says to me. So um, if you need to shuffle off, feel free to give us a wave, but um, hopefully people will follow up on all those breweries you've spoken about tonight. And we look forward to having you and your breweries back on again pretty soon. Yeah, thanks for having me. Cheers, thanks, man. So, so back to my amazing segue, which I was working on. I remember that. So, so from one brewery batch to another, which love smashing out lots and lots of different batches and amazing, amazing single sessionals, the seasonals. Um, yeah, Moondog. Oh, that's me. Okay, that's my cue, isn't it? <laughs> Great segue. I wasn't sure if that meant you were going to do the questions that I'd typed up. No, no, I was still going to leave that to you. But I just thought, oh my goodness, you know, you just <laughs> go with the flow, David. Hello, Chris. Welcome back to the cool room, mate. <laughs> oh, it's, um, it's lovely to be back. <laughs> it's genuinely, it's genuinely excellent to have you back. Um, one of these days, I'll reveal what Project Epsilon is to the world, and you hold a space in that. But I'm not going to reveal that right now. That's just going to. Well, I'm surprised you even mentioned that tonight, David. It's the oh, first time I've mentioned Project that's... Epsilon in public. <laughs> Yeah. I'm happy to add to beep out the word in the edit, but oh, that's even better if you could do that. I think Corey's yeah, probably, awesome. Corey's probably the most informed about Project Epsilon. Ooh, Although, Travis, you're in that. You know, anyway, <laughs> we're getting off track. <laughs> we're getting off track there quite severely. What I was going to say out of all that is that Chris has been on the podcast before, as have Moondog, but particularly Chris, you were there for episode nine of series two, and if you're one of our new listeners. Uh, please feel free, in fact, more than feel free, please do go back and listen to some of the previous podcasts. And Chris, you know, the, I think the conversation that we had veered away from beer into a whole lot of sort of conversations about modern life and was a fantastic yarn. So please, uh, listeners, go back and listen to that one and hopefully you get a bit of a taste of that from from where we go here tonight. Um Remind us who you are is what I've written in our question notes. You know, describe yourself for listeners at home. Well, I'm a six foot five idiot is the, the easiest and simplest description. However, I um, trade my wares as a uh, mainly an on-premise rep for Moondog Brewing. Nowadays based mostly in Preston, but still uh, heart and soul in Abbotsford. Um, and very much. Oh. again, for people who are sort of Melbourne bar and pub aficionados, You've worked at a few places around the traps. Do you want to just sort of give people a bit of that? I reckon I've heard that voice before. Where would they have heard that voice in the flesh before? Well, you'd have seen me. Um, I spent a couple of years managing at uh, Kent Street Bar 
on Smith Street. Now, I did a little bit of a stint at the Rochester Hotel shortly before I went to Moondog. Um, prior to that, I was working in event ticketing. It's the event ticketing that everyone thinks of you. When yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I also feel like, Chris, since the last time I saw you, and, and for our listeners, you're not going to be able to see this, uh, you, like me, have got the old um, ISO letting my hair grow out thing. Oh, yeah, there are no, there are no fade, fade cuts in, uh, in the inner north anymore. We're all just, <laughs> you know, bushy hair and beards. <laughs> you, you look, I've got to say, for one of the Moondog crew, you look quite unremarkable at the moment, which is a big statement given what normally happens to... Surprisingly sober for an uh, evening of dark beers. Well, even just like a normal haircut that you, know, you could you could knock around in the city and no one would look twice, which is... Oh, you know, exactly. I mean, I, I had the mullet back in my early 20s, um, <laughs> so a good 10 years ago. So that's been and gone. The Cool Room episode, special edition haircuts. <laughs> <laughs> it's the time for it. Now, look, why don't we just, why don't we have a quick yarn about the cake hole mm, and get yeah, that me, out there so let me, let me hold then on we can move on to all sorts of other things. Uh, I like I how Chris opens it up when we talk about the cake hole, unlike Warren, who opened his up about 10, 15 minutes ago. It's funny, I, you know, I was going to raise this while Daniel's in the room. He's had to, he's had to run off, but... Warren and I were having a conversation during the week and I know we've discussed on the podcast before with reps about what makes a good rep and what makes a bad rep and that building of a personal relationship over time. And it genuinely meant a lot to me this week, Chris, when you rang me up and said that you'd listened to the podcast episode about the cool room physically at my pub breaking down and were able to sort of, you know, you'd actually listened to that, you had an understanding of what I needed and just rang to say, mate, you know, how are things going? You know, that's a, that's a pretty huge. That's yeah. That's, that's above and beyond. Well, that's what the old reps used to do. Chris, it's nice to see there's a few floating around still who value relationships. Look, I've always been a proponent of non hard selling, which I think is a, a very dangerous route to go as a rep. Um, the most important thing are the venues, the people behind them, and the kind of atmosphere and the personality of a venue. Having come from managing venues, when I went for the job of a rep with Moondog, the one thing I was very passionate about was saying, I've met every kind of rep, and I know exactly the kind of rep I don't want to be. Um, mainly walking around in a bit of a, a puffer vest with a, an, an emblem on the front, without naming too many large breweries, we've all been there. I'm um, going to have to rewrite part of uh, Project Epsilon, but okay, no worries. <laughs> and it's okay. We can't, we can't, you know, those listeners can't see the shirt you're wearing at the moment. So we're all good. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's about, you know, uh, a rep is more, more than just selling beer. It's about being friends and um, genuinely caring about the industry you're in. I think having that really set, stands you in good stead. Um, with the work you do. Now, I sidetracked yeah. us there, which is what I do, <laughs> but you were about to start talking about the cake hole and you were sort of, you know, tell us a bit about this year's iteration of it. And um, for people who've not encountered cake hole before, it's been around for, what, four years now or something like that? Yeah, this is and the fourth fourth time around, the sun for this one. 
Um, it originally started as an idea by David. I remember him, I'm pretty sure he's told me that he invented the beer. That's my <laughs> argument. <laughs> At the Flimkin um, Bowls Club. Oh, well, I mean... Yeah, I can. I, I can, but imagine I wasn't around at that time. Well, the um, Moon Dog used to do a delicious beer called Chocolate Salty Balls. Oh, that's yeah. right. Yeah. yeah, which I would mix two thirds of that with one third Founders Rubeus. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. With, uh, however, what was the percentage of uh, Chocolate Salty Balls? That's a good question. I feel like it was in the nines, but I might I be making that up. I think it was a big beer. Yeah. I think. I think one of the uh, the, the lasting um, things with Moonog was a, a number of years ago when they started and what they were known for were their big beers. So you go to the Tap House um, or to Moonog OG in Abbotsford and everything on the list would be above or beyond 8%. And um, the way Cake Hole came around after the suggestion from David was that we were looking to do a... <laughs> you've, you've, you've worked beautifully there, mate. I don't deserve that, rub. It's ab- absolutely not true, but thank you for trying. We can, we so, can beep that part out as well. We don't, we don't want to give him too much credit. Luckily no, one in, no, nothing, luckily, no one in the brewery listens to this, do they, mate? Otherwise, they'd be standing outside my door tomorrow morning. I'm going to give a shout-out to Brooke from Marketing, who will be vetting this, no doubt. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, so we... we went in or we introduced a more approachable a more approachable um seasonal um set of beers which we could bring out as per the seasons so once a year um that could come around so cake hole was one of the first iterations um based on a black forest cake so you know you've got those big chocolatey notes it's decadent it's rich and then you've got the 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 sharpness of sour cherry um, which has always been there. The first one I had was the one not last year, but the year before. I remember Brent, my rep at the time, dropped one off for me. Um, and I remember enjoying it back when we were in bottles. Shout out to Brent if he happens to be listening. I presume he's not. Is he even in the country anymore? He's in Canada still. I don't think he has plans to leave. I don't think he can leave, to be honest. Mm. I was going to say, chances are, if he wanted to come back, there's probably yeah, not many options available to him. Nope, he did always enjoy poutine. I know that for a fact. So he's he's in a happy place. Exactly. And that's what we can wish for him. I, I live in Australia and I enjoy poutine. What are you talking about, David? When's the last time you had a poutine, Travis? Uh, made by a Canadian. <laughs> yeah, well. <laughs> made by a Canadian? This time two years ago. <laughs> Shout out to Rob if he's listening tonight. Uh, Sorry, Chris. We keep back on, on track. Yeah, we keep on. So a couple of years ago, you tried. Yeah, so I remember when I was introduced to Moon Nugget, it was mainly through, I think, the cake hole was the first one, apart from Brent trying to send me the 650 mil ones of the, I think the My Blue Heaven was the first one he introduced to me. Oh, um, yeah. Oh, yeah, let's. Uh, somebody <laughs> found a bottle of that recently and and shared it amongst the reps, and it was it was no longer blue, that's for sure. It's gone. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I mean, that's that's what the 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 brewery is well known for is yeah. providing beers that for a lot of for a lot of people find um, very affronting. I think, but it's it's a good way of of, of challenging the. Because you can you can make purist and two style beers until you know until the cows come home, which is great. It's wonderful. Um, however, knowing our brew team, they can do that more than you know. We've we've tried all these beers that are not not like out of the park kind of amazing, but what they really enjoy doing is bringing a bit more 
a bit more of a story, a bit more fun to be um, and, and making something that has more talking points. So this year's iteration. So this is the first one we've brewed on our new brew kit. We've uh, recently gone from a, a 50 hectolitre brewery to, well, I say recently, this, uh, we commissioned it in, I think it was February or March, we started brewing over the new one in Preston. Mm. Going so you could, perhaps, sorry to cut across you there, but perhaps, mm. you know, we, we're all sort of talking a bit insiders here, but we have been getting more and more listeners from overseas and from interstate. Most people in Melbourne are very familiar with Moondog, very familiar with the new site, which is just nuts, both in terms of your capacity and the physical bar that you have. Yep. Google it if you're not in Melbourne and you're not familiar with it. But before you launch into that, can you just talk us through a few of those sort of things, just, you know, mm. the move and the scale that you've gone to and from? Yeah, for sure. So when I joined up um, March of 2019, which doesn't sound long ago, but it was 18 or oh, 16 months is enough to give you kind of a... a you walk into a brewery, which is initially the, the smaller, we call it Moondog OG now, which is the original now bar in Abbotsford, where at the back of it was the um, the system they used to brew off, which was made out of old uh, milk pasteurizers um, by Carl and Josh and Jake. Um, and then you move next door to where they took over and there was this, this, this massive brewery that they got from somewhere in New South Wales. I'm trying to think of the brewery who... Um, where they got it from that was three or four years ago they moved into it they moved it down um, and it was a 50 hectolitre brewery which isn't a, which is not to be scoffed at at all it's a it's a large brew kit um so that's what five thousand liters per brew mm. um and then going from that they oh they are we <laughs> um were into a point where we were not being able to produce as much mainly core range beer we we had a really good push of core range which proved its worth, um, sold well, and then we we were, we decided we needed somewhere bigger. So we moved up to, or we found a, a 12,000 square metre site up in, in Preston. That's, um, which is big. If you, yeah, I never know exactly what square metres mean. Well, I really I mean, it's, don't. It's but. from end to end, as people say, it's the, as wide as the MCG. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then you just fill in the gap. So it's, it's a... a for example, you, you park at the, the rear in the car park and just to walk down to the venue, you've, you've, you've got a bit of a, you know, you can start puffing if you're a, a beer connoisseur like the rest of us. It's a, it's a bit of a walk. Um, and so for listeners who are delving back into the archives, I've, I've forgotten a little bit, but I think it might be, it's either episode 10 of series one or episode one of series two. We were out at the, at the site before it was officially a brewery, certainly before there was any brewing equipment to talk to Josh and some of the guys from Melbourne City Wrestling when <laughs> they were using it as a wrestling uh, site for Good Beer Week. So that's that pretty was, amazing to think back, but that's less than two years ago. Well, well that was, it was, it was only, it was a year ago, um, late May. So it was, a good beer week it was, it was only year. over a year ago. That was when, yeah, we were, we were out there. With it was a completely empty site at the time. Nothing had happened. All that had happened is we'd spray painted markers on the floor of where the lagoon was going to be. That's right. Um, can, we, can we talk about the lagoon? Yeah, let's, yeah, because, <laughs> because like, particularly for the people who haven't been there. Yeah. So if this so, delicious so, beer. Let's talk about the lagoon. So for people that haven't been to Moondog World, which yeah. I still like to call that, it has a lagoon. It's um, it, and a waterfall. You know, it's so I've heard. 
multiple stories about the lagoon. Uh-huh. Is it true that the lagoon is exactly the right depth so that you don't have to have a fence around it? Exactly. So as per either Australian or Victorian law, um, oh, OH&S, let's call it that, you know, um, if anything over, if it's 30 centimetres, you either have to have a fence or a full-time lifeguard. So it is currently, well, it was sitting at 29 centimetres deep when we, uh, when we put it in. Is it, um, is it true that potentially it was at the exact 30 centimetre mark and then they had to smear another layer of concrete over the top to get it to the... Oh, Travis, this, this is the, that's the first hard-hitting question we've managed in two years of podcasting. I think with the, uh, the the hoops we had to jump through to get the site in the first place, they weren't going to risk that for a second. Yes. <laughs> um, but that's not a no. That's not a direct no. <laughs> more, the, the other question I want to ask, is there any way to connect up that lagoon and the waterfall so it is full of beer. I mean, theoretically, yes, but also, why would you want to do that? Uh, there it's is. A, <laughs> I think you know the answer beer. to your own question. I mean, there's a there's a popular belief that actually the waterfall and the lagoon does feed into directly into the into the mash. Like Willy Wonka. That's the only next far more than the beer. <laughs> Um, I feel but, like I feel like we we're in a in a world where eventually the the Moondog World Lagoon is going to turn into some sort of uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory type scenario where no one really knows what goes on behind the scenes. I mean, I can I can. But you're still crazy. It filtered. It's filtered um, naturally. There are no filthy. chemicals in there. Fil- no, filtered. <laughs> yeah, sorry, a filthy. Excuse me. Yeah, it's it's filtered through the waterfall. So the waterfall filters yeah. it naturally. There's no chemicals in there, so you don't. It doesn't smell like a, a leisure center when you go in there. It sounds like a leisure center, but it doesn't smell like one. <laughs> well, it's a leisure sh- center in in not necessarily the terms that some people think leisure center. Mm. It's yeah. Uh, well, yeah, it is what it is. It's a great space. It's just it doesn't stop people from getting into the pool. That's for sure. I can't remember what the count was as per the venue closing temporarily, but it was above. I think it was above twenty five people who had. Um, entered the lagoon willingly, and then, and then being yeah, removed. Yeah, I'm, I'm surprised. Was that um, was that tw- twenty five children or twenty? I was going to say you are you counting adults? under tens because that's twenty five grown grown adults at least. Um, <clears throat> How many times was it you? I'm not at liberty to discuss. <laughs> <laughs> I was also thinking about how many times do I know someone that's done that. <laughs> Yeah, I, well, I reckon I know twenty five boys who've had a go. Well, just on the off chance, just on the off chance that there's you know people from liquor licensing or somewhere else listening in from I don't know, is it Darabin City Council or somewhere who have said that no one's allowed to enter. To the best of our knowledge, no one's been allowed to enter. Is that correct? Nobody's been allowed to enter, and if so, they've been um, ejected. Ejected, exactly. <laughs> now, what we've, we've probably sort of moved on to a, the conversation of the times in which we live, which is, you know, mid 2020 mm-hmm. Victoria now where, you know, the COVID lockdown is finishing, but gee whiz, you know, I own a pub and it's affected me, you know, the, the lockdown, yes. but you know, I own a traditional pub in the part of the world where there are traditional pubs and I'll be able to reopen this week and have 
20, 40 punters if I used a couple of different spaces. But how is Moondog World, which is an amazing space and licensed for 400-odd people? Is that about right? You're a little short there, my love. Um, we are licensed for the venue. So the red line, if you know what a red line is, goes around the entire... I, I do, just for the record, that, in case, the, in case on, liquor licensing is listening. Yeah. The Warren whole obviously CG, doesn't know what that is. Basically, yeah, the red line goes around the whole... Build the whole warehouse. So, because it is a it's a production license, as mm. per most as per all breweries, I'd assume, um, the red line will go around the perimeter. And okay. to my knowledge, there isn't a limit for the number of people that can be within that red line. However, the venue itself that serves alcohol is licensed for seven hundred and twenty-six people, I believe. Oh I yeah, David, more than four hundred. You're there. way way <laughs> off. Way off. Yeah, a couple of hundred. Um, I'm only there so, for industry days and, you know, so. And the odd weekend. <laughs> um, so to, to, before others sidetracked me, it's a novel experience for me, I'll admit. Um, how, how have things been out there and how are you dealing with all of that? How's your life changed and how's the brewery and the site going? So, Well, I mean, starting with the, with the actual venue itself, um, life got very quiet. Um, as soon as the restrictions started coming in, we obviously had to drop down. There's a time where it dropped down to 100, excuse me, dark beer, um, dropped down to 100. And then obviously when things closed, the, the venue couldn't operate, um, which, was, which was a difficult time for, for all involved. Like the, the venue itself employs, or the, the company itself employed somewhat around the 80, mark, 80 casuals mark who wow. all were then, unfortunately, you know, they, we couldn't supply them with the hours required. Um, so it's, it's a, it was a very distressing time and a, and a very a personally distressing time for the company because they've worked very hard to, to get to where they are and they've got a team around them, that, uh, a dedicated team, and we just had to, you know, um, as with the rest of the, the hospitality industry, just say we're going to have to p- put a big pause on this. So um, and coming off, how, how do, Chris, how do you see things progressing from here? Like, do you bring all those staff back online when, whenever we get out of this situation? Um, do you guys have a plan going forward? I mean, when the job keeper came in, obviously we had a number of staff who were, had been there, who were eligible for it. They'd been there for a long time. Um, and we were able to bring on some, some full-time casuals. And then we brought on the, we turned both sites into bottle shops. So drive in and, and take away bottle shops. So we were able to, to re-employ them as, as delivery drivers and, and on-site staff. And we were able to get the kitchen up and running again. Um, but now with the restrictions being, being eased, we're able to fit, I think, 60, 63 in there. Um, is the number we've got at the moment with the various sections. Um, then with the 22nd of June approaching, I think that's the next stage of, of restrictions being lifted. I'm not sure the exact numbers, but it's going to be gradually reopening until we get back to, to, to some semblance of normality. Um, it's, it's still been a, a tough time. As, as ever, anyone in the, in the um, hospitality industry has seen, it's been a really testing time and a, and a really difficult time. As much as um, we've made the most of it, um, one thing we've all known and love is the, 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 the heart and soul behind it. The people you meet, the people who work for you, um, the places you go, the kind of, you, you don't go to a venue 
you go to a venue to to to, to experience it as a venue as a as a personality of a and everything and and we've lost that um and we've we've gone into into a bit of a bit of a survival mode all around um where we're supporting one another but it's, it's only a it's a it's a finite amount that you can support them without being there on the premises so it's um an interesting one my role itself my even my role changed because i was predominantly a um an on-premise rep so on-premise for all those who aren't in the and the know is I look after pubs and clubs and bars as opposed to bottle shops. So when the restrictions came in and my, my, my customers closed down, my, my initial thought was part of my French, but well, fuck me, I'm out of a job. <laughs> Which um, is interesting. That's, I, I, I was going to be a question like for your role, hmm. uh, going around to, to various venues and, and, and you and I have crossed paths in the Royal Mail on Spencer um, across time. So, so your roles obviously shifted um, in relation to where, where where we are in lockdown. Like, how's that sort of progressed? Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's I've got a handful of what we would consider hybrid venues. So, like bottle shops with taps in them. You, you for example, your your Mister, well, not even Mister West anymore because they're upstairs had to close. So, yeah. your Hopheads, um, Hippo, and Fitzroy, for example. Um, celebrations in sunshine places like that where that have taps that can sell beer but they couldn't have anyone selling kegs so i'd be looking after them and whatnot but then i was obviously luckily we divided divvied our team up if you don't know about moondog we have a fair few number of reps on the road and um, a lot of breweries will have uh, a single rep or a handful of reps in the area of, uh, of melbourne or victoria but we've got we've divvied it up so we're we're, we're truly we've got two dedicated off-premise reps who deal with bottle shops who are these incredible like far better reps than i'll ever be just at what they do because i'm used to the the personality and it's a different kind of business off-premise because you're working around bottle shops but we all had to kind of divvy them up so we were all kept on which was great all full-time staff were able to stay on um and, and share the workload which was really really nice to see in the obviously our lot to it and we all banded together as much as we could, um, but it was still difficult for everyone. Yeah. It's uh, it is certainly a, uh, a weird world we all live in. Mm. I presume coming off the highs, I mean, the anticipation in Melbourne, again, for people who are overseas may not quite <laughs> sort of understand that, you know, the anticipation for Moondog world was huge. The media and, so forth around you know it was in the mainstream media about the opening of a venue in a way that venues don't normally get written about yep. just because yep. of its over the top willy wonka nature mm. but i mean so they have gone from that in summer to three months later not having a punter in the door kind of thing i mean that that's it's it's how it is there's no other way of putting it nobody could predict it nobody would have seen it coming when we opened but They've dealt the the company and the those. Uh, I, I I really take my hat off to to the decisions that we may all make that were made, um, just to keep the the cogs going and throughout the whole thing. Actually, the brewery's not stopped. The brewing team have been fantastic. Having um, the first couple of weeks where we were into lockdown, I was helping out in the brewery itself, doing some packaging and a little bit of brewing myself. I say brewing. I'm I was milling. <laughs> which is a, a, a vital part, I should say. Now, milling in terms of dealing with the grain, not just milling around in an absent-minded yes, human way. Yeah. Yep. 
Um, but they, they've they had a the last, what, 10 weeks? Has it been 10, 11 weeks? I call it 10. That's, what's in, that's the number in my head. I think that's how long I've been doing homeschooling. So. Yeah, they've, um, they've, they've pushed out more beer than they have in a long time. Like, we've been running at a capacity. So just seeing that people are still interested in beer and they're still wanting to, to kind of find out more and we've released beers every couple of weeks and that's not such a change. So it's, a, it's, it's good to see that the, the industry is still strong and a lot of breweries are uh, obviously suffering, but there is still a want for it. Mm. Now, in a moment, we're going to sort of see if there's any other questions from the listeners in the room or out there elsewhere, but I'm going to ask a particular question because I think about this time last year is probably when we first started to discuss our Vietnamese grand final day at the Royal Mail, where you mm. had been allowed to brew your own beer <laughs> through the systems, the infamous and delicious. When I say infamous, I just wanted to add that it was genuinely delicious Barn Me Geddon. And I, I just want to add in there, David, it ruined my weekend. <laughs> like, yes. I, I drank a bit too much of that on the weekend. It was good, though. It was really refreshing. Like that was, <laughs> it, was, like, it was very refreshing. Um, I don't think that um, four or five pints of it in a row was a good call. No, I wouldn't reckon that's a good call. No. No. Well, just, just moving forward, we're talking about a delicious beer designed to taste like a bar me with, with coriander, with chili, yeah. and some fantastic flavours. Have you been working on Lime, the guys it... while you've been milling around in the uh, in the brewery area about getting another one of those ready for this year? Well, personally, I'm a I'm a bit a big advocate for the beer. I mean, it was it was an interesting um, concept originally from uh, from myself and Aaron from Bar Josephine, um, and we we wanted to find a beer that was basically the, the the flavors you can get so you've got your salt up front you've got coriander you've got your cucumber and you've got your chili in there but also it had to be in, encapsulated in, the, in a big bready base which i put it to um adrian mcnulty who is our mad scientist um back at moondog and if you know adrian then you'll know that he is and the kind of person who will do anything for you, he's put chicken in a beer for fuck's sake. Yeah, I was going to say, man, no, no, this is probably We've a pretty done good that. Gun. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he uh, created a, a very good beer for it. Um, and since then, it's, it's got a bit of a, a, dare I say, a little bit of a cult following. Um, every yeah. time it's mentioned, it's, uh, it's always met with, with um, positivity, which for a brewery to be met with positivity is very good, especially when you work for Moondog. <laughs> and just for the listeners who aren't aware, Bar Josephine's in, mm. in Woodscray, yep. which is effectively little Saigon for, yeah. for Melbourne. Um, yeah, a large part of the Vietnamese community are there. Now they're in other parts of Melbourne, but, but they're renowned there. And you can pick up a delicious bar me for $4.50, which is awesome. Absolutely. <laughs> um, it's, yeah, so, yeah, totally makes sense. It's, and I, we've had a lot of shout outs tonight on this episode. So shout out to Aaron at Bar Josephine. So. Absolutely. Um, but I've been, I've been told that it's, it's high up in the consideration um, 
for a, a full release. So our full releases come around every three weeks. Every three weeks now, it seems. That's the beauty of having a really big brew kit and uh, very, yeah, a lot of space to play with. It's a lot of piss to sell, though. Come on. <laughs> is that is the smaller kit still around? What happened to the the small one? Was it integrated into the which which small one? The original one? Yeah, the original one. So the original one, original one recently in the past couple of weeks um, has been removed from Abbotsford while it was closed and it was immaculately cleaned um, and has been painted. Like it is every week. <laughs> exactly. Every week without fail since inception, almost 10 years ago. It's been. <laughs> I'm, su- um, I'm surprised there's any of it left after all that steel wool. Look, if, you, if you're used to a... Everyone has their favorite, their favorite pan or their favorite, you know, cooking implement. Um, so you know how it works is the best way of putting it. And you know what taste you'll get from it. And if you can use it well, why, why change it? So it was recently, um, uh, it was recently taken out clean, painted, and it'll be put back in, get a new lease of life. And then we'll still keep doing 1600 liter beers from there. Just as a as small small batch for the the breweries and the bar or the the brewery bars, I should say. Now I think Corey has a question. We'll ask him to sort of unmute himself because I think we're we're now in that stage of everyone reminiscing about their favourite uh, Moondog beers. I've got mm-hmm. to say that the Perverse Sexual Amalgam was always one of my favourites. Not so much because it was my favourite beer to drink, but because I loved the faces that people would make as they tasted it for the first time. Uh, for those who are very new to it, that was a very sour to the point of almost vinegary um, beer. It was, was the, 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 the Bowls Club and the Bowls Club was not ready for that beer. The Bowls Club was not ready for much beer, to be honest. Isn't it? I would have said that that was the sourest <laughs> beer I'd had up until a couple of weeks ago That's when right. I had another beer from a particular brewery in Footscray. <laughs> Which was the 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 wedding breakfast sour or from Hop Nation? When, uh, w- <laughs> and it it, uh, it it pinged the moon dog. It was very much sour. Um, are we editing out Hop Nation until they return an email? Is that what we're I, doing, I think? By the way? I think that's. Yeah. I, 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 they I returned an email today. I was going to be sorry. So since we have, as a broadcast group, have spoken, Hop Nation have been in touch. And oh, so, okay. So I can I can name them. So so yeah. Hop Nation had their wedding. I think Warren already had. We may cut this out later on. We'll see how we go. Yeah. So Hop Nation released their their wedding breakfast strawberry sour or whatever it was, and um. I was skeptical and then I tried it and it was the most sour beer I've ever had. To the point Sounds where like a challenge. I couldn't talk anymore. <laughs> Chris, Chris is invited. <laughs> Chris, yeah, it's a challenge. Yeah. So, um, Chris is Corey, the United Nations, but Corey, you have a question about the Ogden's, Ogden's Nash. Ogden Nash's Pash Rash, Pash Rash, 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 yeah. Um, the Pash Rash. Pash Rash, yeah. Get in there on your MBN. So I love the story of um, how the redskin flavour is imparted into that. And I'll probably let you um, say that because you'll probably say it a bit more accurately than, than myself. But I'm, I'm wondering if there's another Moondog beer that is just so insanely brutal in trying to get the key flavours in there. 
I mean, well, the, with the Ogden Nash's pass rush, the original one was a smaller batch where they, I don't have the exact weights, but they spent hours and hours yeah. unwrapping lollies, unwrapping lollies. And then they did that again last year. Was it late last year or early this year? No, it was late last year. We were still at the other yeah. brewery. So we did a, a, a 15 to 30 keg batch for the, the bars where I remember just walking into the office and just seeing some downtrodden <laughs> brewers just there <laughs> unwrapping and unwrapping and unwrapping. It works really well. And actually, that's one of our next releases. I can give you a bit of inside information on that. It's, it's penciled in. So we are going to be doing a, re- a full release of um, Ogden Nash's Pasharash, um, which was originally in the 8 or 9%, but it's going to be 7 or 8%. I'm not sure. I don't have the gravity, unfortunately. Uh, let me know. But what we did is we contacted the um, the creators. Is it Arnett's who does it? Yeah, someone like that. Nes- or Mars? Is Allen's. Nestle. Nestle? Nestle. Oh, those guys. Talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> so we, uh, so we, we've contacted them. We've actually got hold of the syrup they use to make it. Oh, nice. which, I see that's which, which, which I can just see the brewer's reaction just being thrilled that they don't have to do these. Uh, it's, the not the it's not the same. It's not the same. Yeah. Pour it in. There, there won't be the love. Okay, so so if that's the case, then back to my question: What's going to replace the pash rash for the the difficulty in uh, in brewing? Because if all you're doing is slurping some syrup in there now, yeah, good call. Make it sound there's gotta, so. There's got to be another tough one. <laughs> you make it sound as if the groundwork wasn't already done. Um, I mean, I've I've remembered. Even for Barmageddon, I spent four hours peeling cucumbers just to make Four hours? Oh, kitten. Only four hours? Hang on. Only four hours, I know. Um, Since we brought up the Bammy again, I'm just a shout out to uh, Lunan Bakery on on Hopkins Street in in Footscray. Um, Are we at that time of the night? Yeah, we are, totally. (laughs) Hang on a sec. Shout out to Jimmy you know, I always loved your pies. If you <laughs> no, we talk about Bami. It's uh, like that, or or in in the middle of uh, Puggle Street. <laughs> I, uh, uh, I want to get back onto the peeling of the cucumbers. Yeah. yeah um, but... So, Chris, <laughs> is that actually an actual fact? You you spend four hours peeling cucumbers, or is yeah, that myself and uh, and other? We we had a hundred odd kilograms of cucumbers to peel through. So prepare just for that first batch. I mean, there's there's a labour of love. For I was told that if I wanted my beer, I had to prepare it. So can I ask a question? Why did you peel cucumbers rather than just cutting them up? So the the skin imparts a bitterness that we didn't. Ah, want. yeah. Good answer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Simple as that. Uh, but going back to the obviously, I know that it's a lot more labour intensive and might seem a bit more romantic peeling that amount of lollies and preparing that amount but there's the old adage of work smarter not harder so there are ways of, of getting the same result without killing yourself first and that if you want to look at all breweries and all brewers will, will agree with me in this there's ways that add cost to a beer and the the more you can re- remove cost from a beer and still make it effectively as good the better the beer will turn out because if you're you're spending an extra, for example, there were four people with me over four hours peeling 
second. That's cost a bit. Six hours of labour. Thank you. That's way better than I'm going to move things towards wrapping up here, despite my co-host, so I can see just itching to... I was just going to ask Chris, is he, are you going to go... People who aren't co-hosts now ...and get the... Get the cucumber syrup that they make the cucumbers out of now. The cucumber syrup. Yeah. Um, I imagine we'll be able to find cucumber puree from somewhere. Everyone purees everything. It's <laughs> it's it's a similar a T-shirt to, that says that. I mean, it's a similar to the rule of thirty-four. If you know the rule of thirty-four, is that. <laughs> <laughs> but with pureeing, if you can puree it, people will puree it. Yeah. Bring so you back, bring you back to this wonderful drink, cake hole. <laughs> I'm getting there. I'm actually going to get us. Watch, watch how I'm going to get us back there in in a couple of moments. So, um, look, from my memory, it's fantastic to hear that you're going to be able to make enormous amounts of the Pash Rash that way because it's one of my absolute favourite beers out of Moondog. There are beers that you guys have made which I haven't liked because I Mm. feel like sometimes it sounds like I'm a bit of a shill for you guys. There's been some others that I haven't liked, but the Pash Rash. There are many others. I want to know what ones David hasn't liked. Yeah, uh, the oh, what was the marmalade sour that came along really early on before me? Um, that marmalade sour should have been good too. I like agree. It sounds like it should have been it should have been the tits, but yeah, yeah, obviously, um, it wasn't. Anyway, what are the beers that you did, you didn't like since Chris has been on board? Uh, that's a good question. Let me think on that. Because there are there are misses. That's that's all right. So that's so not... difficult beers are always included as stuff that people maybe aren't used to. For example, cream ales or nitro beers that are very difficult to do, or one that encompasses both. Um, I can be quite honest and say there was a beer that we came up with which was called Oh How Now Brown Cacao, which was yes. Yep. I will. Yeah. I'm going to get. I'm so sorry, Brooke, if you're listening or any of the brew team, but <laughs> it was one of those beers that was. And I will defend it afterwards, but it doesn't finish as you'd expect it to. And I mean, there's a difference between method, um, idea, and the finish. Um, ultimately, I'd argue is if there are people there not doing it and not trying to, how will you know? And that's always been an ethos of us. I mean, you can, as I once talked quite recently with, with McNulty, our, our mad scientist, he was like, what happens if you put a chicken in a beer? and put chicken carcasses in the beer. I can um, tell you, I did it five years ago, 10 years he, ago. He, he found out. So, you know, he, he's, he's done it. And he's, and he's still cleaning it? He's still cleaning it, yeah. yeah. But I, isn't, that, <laughs> isn't that an interesting thing in relation to like, Moondog have always been someone that they... They, they exp- push the envelope. They, yeah. it, it, it may not turn out the way they want them want it to turn out, but they've at least gone out and tried to accomplish what they set out to do. Um, exactly. So it's always the, going to be the case, isn't it? There's always going to be hit and misses. On the flip side of that though, Travis, and this, and Chris, please feel free not to answer because, because it doesn't justify one. Do you still release it? If it's not, if it's a miss and you know, it's a miss, do you still release it? Because occasionally I felt like, and this might be me, like the Brute might've been completely happy with it. And I'm just sitting here going, I think, like the idea is good it's a shit execution or it's just oh that's just a crazy idea and we're paying for their craziness like occasionally um i that's i mean it's a valid question and i'm not i'm not going to shy away from 
um, the, the kind of the difficult questions are good. If you don't question something, you'll never know. Um, but there's a difference for, I think a lot of people, especially or a lot of brewers, when you brew something on a small scale that might work there, that might otherwise not. And if you've met, if you've met any of the, if you've met any of the original or even the, the current Moondog staff brewers, a lot of the time they'll just think, fuck it. Let's see what happens. Um, so partly, yes, you are paying for us to piss around and do what we want. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, but no, the, but that's, like, that's actually okay. quite a good thing. In there's the an element that, like, of that's okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, like, yeah. like sometimes there's band venues in this city, and some of them unfortunately have disappeared, mm-hmm. where they just go, oh, fuck it. Tonight we're just going to put on this band, and we don't give a rat's ass if no one else likes them. We're going to play that band because we like them or we're interested in doing it. And that's the thing. Why why can't a a brewery do the exact same thing? And I think uh, uh, there's certain aspects of Moondog that that do that. You you experiment and you do stuff that's out of the ordinary. Um, And and getting it back to the barn me, like Mm -hmm. I would never have thought that would work. Ever. Uh, Yeah, exactly. But the fact that you guys took the chance and did it, yeah. And it paid off. It's I, a testament I, I, to you. Like it's, in, yeah, there's in my no, head. I think that's not even the biggest, that's not no. such a big and risk. No, a, and possibly not as big a risk as a passion fruit and mango wild ale. That Mr. Mistopheles was now. Oh, Ooh, yes. Some, David, I've got some good news for you, my darling. There is currently a batch of Mr. Mistopheles barrel aging. Barrel aged would be a different beast. Yes. I'm all for that. that was I'm going to move things. Yeah. I'm going to move things towards wrapping it up here on podcast land. Yeah. Uh, but if you're part of the Zoom room and if you're listening to the podcast and wishing you were part of the Zoom room, the good bit is that you get to sit around and have these debates till two o'clock in the morning. Well, well past the two and a half hours that we've been recording for so far. It's not quite that bad, I know. But you know, feel free and please do come and be part of those conversations. Uh, so that you can sit around with the brewers, sit around with the reps and be part of the Melbourne, you know, be a scene in that way. The, the point that I was going to make, where I was going to link things up before, remember I had, said I had a segue back, you know, a few hours ago? The segue was going to be that the story, story that I always loved was that Allen's, who I think made the Redskins, wasn't going to sort of mass produce or allow you to have one kilogram chunks of Redskins to put in the beer, which is why... It took, you know, the awful <laughs> process that happened. Yep. Oh, yep. That was the far more succinct response that I'd expect. <laughs> but that's fantastic. That's, yep. So it's it's interesting how that has changed in terms of the cake hole and and uh, sorry the pash rash over time. In terms yep. of the cake hole today, I randomly found an empty bottle of cake hole. Oh yeah. And interesting to sort of it's been four years now of cake hole. And back in that day, and even looking at Mr. Mistopheles, all of those things come in bottles. Now all these things come in cans. But I don't think we've discussed before, you know, a couple of minutes on how you think that sort of changed things and how beer gets delivered in cans now rather than bottles and completely different looking product that people are buying. Look, I think the, the, the easiest or the, the basic one for most breweries you'd have to look at is people would say it's price, but it's so much more than that. So when you're looking at beer from a, an objective point of view, people will see something presented in a glass bottle, which is drinkable with just a tip of the tip of the cap, and they'll look at something in a can, and there was a, a tendency to look at something and see it as a cheaper product, even though technically it wasn't. 
Um, if you want to look at the actual techniques behind beer, as soon as you put a beer in a bottle, no matter what it is, as soon as it hits a bit of UV light, it is technically got light strike. And it doesn't matter how dark the bottle is, it's affected by the UV light around it. However, in a can, now that we have cans that have a film that stop them from turning into you know, rusted old tins of beans, um, it, it, it holds it better, it, it stores it better, it is um, a, a better product um, to, to have storing beer with. And also it stacks better. You can't stack bottles. And if you drop a can, it might bounce off the floor. If you drop a bottle, you've got to clear up a bottle. So personally, I've always preferred cans, um, even though people might prefer bottles. Uh, but we offer it in both for a lot of things. Particularly if you're shipping products. overseas and things like that. I mean, that's a huge difference in terms of weight and well, size. Weight is, yeah, exactly. Shipping. Weight as well. And even the process. Um, the process of sealing a can is completely different because you've got um, what you can do when you're canning. When we're canning, for example, um, you will take a can off the line and you will you will cut it in half and then you put it under a microscope to make sure that the seal is 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 good. Whereas with a, a bottle, you've got st you'll put it on the top and it it might not be as good. You there's no way of telling because you've got the rubber or the rubber or plastic element there in the cap. Um, also, if you've ever left a bottle in a in a damp area, you'll notice that the cap will start to corrode right, after yeah. a certain time. As a as a beer rep who has an esky in his boot of his car, which I've left I didn't bags realize of that. ice in there. Yeah, right. Who who leaves bags of ice in there and like an old bottle, not an old bottle, but a bottle left for more than a week. You'll take it out after it's been kind of rolling around in a bit of damp and it might have started to corrode a bit, which is not a good look. So bottles are great. Cans for me are better. Yeah. And it's part of technology that does that. We've come a long way. If there's no other questions, raise your flippers in the air, people in the Zoom room, if you wish to ask a question. But otherwise, I reckon we might move to formally thanking Chris. I think you might stick around and have a beer with us. I would hope so. But uh, you've been not only generous with your time tonight, you've been generous with your time and dedication to the Royal Mail Hotel and other venues along the way, which I am personally very, very grateful for. Please do go back and listen to Chris's previous uh, episode on the podcast. Please go back and listen to Lord Andy Coyne and Josh and others from Moondog when we visited out there only one year ago, which makes me feel very, very old. Chris, if people want to find you and Moondog on the social medias, how do they go about doing that? Well, I'll start off with a personal plug. I'm at Chris J. Bond on Instagram. Chris uh, J. Bond? Yep, Chris J. Bond. My middle name is James. Um, <laughs> you don't have to fact. give that. That's, that's... Yeah, I, yeah, who would have guessed? Yeah, right. No, um, it, it is. Uh, and then you can go uh, at Moondog Brewing, at Moondog World, or Moondog OG, I believe it is. And particularly for overseas listeners, really genuinely, if you haven't sort of had a look at the setup these guys have got, do yourself a favour while you're sort of listening to the closing bits of the show and just, just Google it, have a look at what's set up. And next time you're in Melbourne, it's one of the absolute sort of must-visit venues because it's unlike anything else you're going to encounter, I think, anywhere else in the world in my travels. I, I agree. And also just one more, one more plug for the brewery. I implore you to try our core range because it is one thing that goes for the most part in the, in the beer groups, especially in those 
um, who have the, the, the tendency to see us as a venue who does these weird and wacky and wonderful things. Our brew team is exceptional at doing our core range. The first beer I ever, or the first craft beer I ever had in this country when I got here five years ago, it was Mac Daddy Dark Ale. And it, um, it, it perfectly encapsulated what I was looking for in a dark beer. Um, Corey, yeah, the, 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 the love tap, the old lager, the 7.1% yeah. mm. lager or the, the double lager or the, the, the more recent one. So like even then, like um, the first core range we ever did was a 7.1% double lager, which now in its newest iteration is Moondog Lager, which is a 4.5% smashable lager that we've put up there to, to rival your $16 six packs. And, uh, and when we get back to the Royal Mail on Spencer, I will most certainly be knocking back the, uh, the old mate. The old you? mate. The, uh, that beer changed. Like, I think, I talk to anyone who works for the company, that, that beer changed the, the fortunes of, that, of, the, of the company. Yeah. yeah. yeah I mean, for it's what it's solid, worth, you, you can't beer. get a much bigger endorsement from me than the fact that that's just the absolute staple beer that I've had across different venues and on tap all the way through. It's, it's drinkable. It's a great sort of pot if you're having a meal, but it's also great to session on if you're having a few beers and watching the footy on a Saturday afternoon, which hopefully we can all get around and be part of doing pretty soon. Yep. Absolutely. Um, having said our thank yous, uh, again, thank you to everyone who's listening. Please come and join us in the Zoom room in coming weeks when we have some great guests, as we said including Batch, including Modus Operandi, including some other great breweries who want to come and be part of our sessions. If you've not had the chance to come down and be part of the Royal Mail previously, come down and see me and usually most of the rest of the gang that you hear here, you know, are down there at one point or another during the week. Uh, we look forward to seeing some smiling faces as all of that happens. It's still a little bit of a strange time in Melbourne, so be sure to stay safe and look after each other out there. And um, unless anyone has anything else to add, I reckon we might formally press the stop button on the recording and then sit around and enjoy a quiet beer or two together. I'll take that as a yes. Hey there, Cool Room listeners. We've got a little ad for you. No, we're not asking for money so that you can advertise quality mattresses, razors, or any of those other sort of things that seem to get advertised on podcasts. What we're looking for is other fun podcasts that would like to share a 30-second ad with our listeners, letting everyone know why they're so great, and in return, letting us share a 30-second ad for The Cool Room. We know that right now there's a whole lot of people who are looking for fun new podcasts to help them while away their isolation hours, so if you've got something to share, drop us a line via our Facebook or Instagram accounts. Right. Add over.